Welcome to Boozy Movies, movie reviews with a little booze. Each week, we get inebriated and opinionated, taking shots at one film, both literally and figuratively. Listen to Boozy Movies at boozymovies.com, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to join the conversation in our Facebook group, Boozy Movies Drinking Buddies. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Boozy Movies Pod. Yay! Hello! Hello! Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats of tunage from the imaginative world of music. Hmm. Or maybe some might argue not so imaginative, but whatever. Slightly unoriginal. But, or maybe... Incredibly original. Maybe inventive, almost. Hmm. Hmm. We're your two unconventional hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And tonight's brew of choice is Beer to Drink Music to by Dogfish Head Brewing. It is a Belgian-style triple or tripel. I'm going with the American pronunciation. Triple. triple. Yeah. I like tripel. They're, Sounds bougie. I think they're kind trying to trip you up with that spelling. Oh. <laughs> jokes. You got them. I got them. They're here. <laughs> Sit, sit down, kids. We got jokes. This shit is 9%. We're, gonna fe- we're feeling it. Oh, it's a Belgian-style ale brewed with sweet orange peel, green cardamom, peppercorns, and vanilla. That's why it's spicy. Well, it's really good. It's and you very can good. kind of taste those notes, because... Yeah, they do. I mean, it's, arguably, it's guys, good. Dogfish Head is fucking tits. They are... Honestly, two thumbs up. If you're gonna, if you're in a brew store and you're not sure what to get, go with Dogfish Head. Yeah, even they're not as good stuff is still good. And this was their uh, record store day brew. Yeah, made specifically for record store day, which was like back in April. But whatever, we don't need whatever, whatever. Right. And we're drinking it now. It's fine. Yeah, it's still real good. <laughs> Highly suggested. If you see it in a brew store, you you grab yourself some. You pick that shit up because it's really fucking good. Yeah. It so. is. And I can't really correlate it too much to this episode, except that we like to drink beer when we listen to music, and we're going to listen to music tonight. It be It's completely relevant because our podcast is about beer and music, and this beer is about beer and music, so oh, it makes sense. It does. I just mean for tonight's subject. I Yeah. Of cover songs. Yeah. Well, we're doing a montage of stuff tonight so it's kind of a montage beer it is because again august is hodgepodge month it is and we're doing another listen through it is not an album review we've decided to revisit an old standard by grabbing our favorite cover songs mm-hmm. just a few of them which just a few i have so hard I have so many. So I have three different platforms on which I listen to music between my phone and my Spotify and my Amazon, and they all have their own covers <coughs> playlists. Yeah. I had yeah. a really long list. Yeah. And I hauled out my old computer that I have to hook up to my television because the screen oh, of my computer no. is just cracked. I hate that. And you can't see anything. And I hauled that out, and I looked through all of my 
thousands of mp3 files and i had a list that was so long too long and i had to whittle it down and i couldn't even whittle it down to our agreed upon six songs i had to pick seven yeah for this because we didn't want to go forever yeah we went with our top five not even necessarily a top five we just grabbed five and each of us also have an honorable mention, yeah. although you have two I have two, two because I mentions. just could not decide. Oh, who can? Who can ever? Oh, my. Except I did. So let's get into this shit. Yeah. So as far as this goes, like we said, it was hard. So I, and I think you did this as well, I kind of went along more unconventional covers. I try to as well. Things that I really tried to pick songs that not only took a song that people probably know well but really made it into something completely different because that's kind of, uh, that's the type of cover I really love. Yeah. When you're in a store or wherever at a party and you're sitting around and you hear it and you're thinking, I know this song. Oh shit. This is that song. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun cover. I'm going to Shazam that so I can remember for later. But conversely, I really love to hate a really bad cover. I think there's a lot of bad covers out there. Oh yeah. No, there are. I one off the top of my first of all, I firmly believe that Depeche Mode is one of those bands that you just should not cover. Don't fucking cover Depeche Mode. You can't do it. The only band I have ever heard of that has done it relatively well was Failure, mm-hmm. ironically. <laughs> um, and they did a cover of Enjoy the Silence, and it's the only cover of Enjoy the Silence that was actually really good. You know who did a good cover of Enjoy the Silence? You may or may not agree with me. It's Tori Amos. But it's Tori Amos. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. All right. It's great. So basically what you're saying is everyone's a culprit except Tori Amos. Free pass for life for Tori Amos. You heard it here first, Tori. But you know who doesn't get a free pass for who? covering Enjoy the Silence? Who? Is not a surf. They fucked that shit up, and it was bad. Oh, my God. It was so bad. Oh, okay. I don't... How do you even fuck up Enjoy the Silence? They did it, and fuck them for it. (laughs) (laughs) You are wrong. Fuck them for it. But anyway, these are the best. Some of our favorites. Yes, these are some of our favorites. You may or may not agree, but... Don't come in here thinking you're going to hear Johnny Cash is hurt. No. Guys, we get it. Johnny Cash covered Hurt and it's amazing. Johnny and oh my Cash God. covered a song? Guys. Really? Yeah, he had, a whole, he? So- he had a whole album of oh, it. Oh, you don't like, say. Here's the thing. I-, I love Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. It's really good, it's but I'm sick cover. of hearing it. I'm and really I haven't even heard sick. it in five years. I'm just sick <laughs> of hearing people jizz all over yeah. it. Like, guys, it's good. Yeah. But also, have you ever heard the original? Because that's really good, too. Yeah, they're both good, guys. It's fine. But but yeah, don't expect to hear... Hopefully you will hear covers that you haven't heard before. Or maybe you haven't heard in a while and this will remind you of them. Because I'm kind of sick of hearing the same covers over and over again. And I'm kind of sick of hearing people do a cover of a song and it sounds exactly like the original. Like Weezer's version of Africa. Don't get me started. Oh, I'm getting you started. I'm putting the key in the ignition, <laughs> popping fresh out the kitchen. <laughs> okay, R. Kelly. Oh, well, I'm I not peed on anyone, <laughs> let alone small children. That we know of. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm not even going to get into it. No, we're not going to get into it. We're going to start this. But I knew it would trigger you. 
So uh, we're going to go back and forth. So I will kick us and off. We flipped a coin and Maggie, you get to go first. We didn't flip a coin. I'm just No, kidding. we did. I was looking at you. You're looking I... at me like I'm crazy. I'm just. When did we flip a coin? We I didn't. drink a lot. Just go. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick off with a slightly controversial cover. And it is oh. Comfortably Numb. Oh. Originally done by Pink Floyd. Oh. But covered by Scissor Sisters. Ooh. You like you like that you like so, that little song. Like I, <laughs> it's kind of a funny song, um, but I I I appreciate the fact that they did something completely different than Pink Floyd, right? Because I kind of feel like that's what you need to do with a cover song is have have it be kind of an homage to the original artist, yeah. but at the same time you have to make it your own because nobody wants to hear some guy strumming on a guitar singing con- hello right i mean is there anybody out there nobody right. wants to hear that because I mean, that's what pink floyd did and it really depends on the song also because i don't think anybody now wants to hear just a rehash of the same pink floyd song because you're not gonna do it as good as pink floyd did it no and also pink floyd fans are hardcore they're not going to appreciate some band like the scissor sisters doing a song like comfortably numb straight the way that pink floyd did it don't think they appreciated this either yeah i'm I'm sure they don't well okay so most are aware of the original pink floyd song from 1980 it was released as a b-side to hey you Mm-hmm. And it was written by Roger Waters after a doctor gave him a heavy tranquilizer to treat what he thought was food poisoning, but later discovered to be hepatitis. Oh. Yeah, that's fun. A b- bit yeah, different. A bit different. After scribbling down some lines about the experience, he would soon turn it into comfortably numb. Okay. In 2003, pop rock group The Scissor Sisters would record the song as a radically reimagined disco jam. And while this song did quite well on the dance charts, of course, especially in the UK, because the UK's on this shit, whereas mm-hmm. we're never on it, many have a serious distaste for it. None more vocal than Pink Floyd fans, calling it a butchery of a classic song and should have been better left alone. They accuse the Scissor Sisters of ripping off two bands by making Bee Gees Pink Floyd mashup. Somebody called the Wambulance. Yeah, I want you to think about a Pink Floyd fan you know. Yep. There you go. Got it. Got it in your head? There you go. (laughs) Many critics of the song say they dislike the upbeat tempo coinciding with such desperate lyrics. But I'm gonna throw a touch of shade out here and say if you really think the tempo is a glaring contradiction to these lyrics, then you don't know much about music theory or much about the club scene. Exactly. How many songs can we think of right now that have horribly depressing lyrics, but an upbeat, dancey tempo? Oh, seriously. And it's not even just that, besides the fact that, yeah, you're taking a song that sounds really happy, but then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh, this is terribly right. sad. 
But even beyond that, if you listen, they keep the song in a minor key with small progressions. And on top of that, while this is a beat you can dance to, it's a very driving beat, almost to the point of erratic, but it just manages to keep itself on course. These elements separate or combined are enough to unsettle someone. If you really listen to it, it's not happy, upbeat tempo. It's this fast driving, almost maniacal kind of tempo. But also it's so repetitive yeah that you get to like minute two two and a half maybe three and you're like okay this is starting to drive me nuts <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's yeah. monotonous in a way yeah but and also which monotony could equal comfortably numb yeah again it drugs sense. comfortably numb is about drugs it's yeah. about being addicted to drugs and also, right. what musical genre is more drug-addled than the disco Bingo. genre? Bingo. Let's talk about the club scene for a hot second. Very drug-heavy and very escapist. Now, granted, the drugs are more like Molly and LSD, but mm-hmm. there are those who break out the harder shit as well. And therefore, a song like Comfortably Numb seems almost a bit on the nose in this scene. On the nose oh i didn't even think about it oh cocaine yeah a lot of cocaine wouldn't be an episode of rock candy if we didn't talk about oh my god our name is rock candy (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh my god your mind is blowing right now (laughs) guys we broke maggie we broke maggie (laughs) (laughs) Like, she did the Steve Harvey face and it stuck that way. We broke Maggie. Fuck. Oh, my God. No, you're thinking of nose candy. It's not nose candy. But. It's not. Don't they? It's not. Stop. Moving on. I don't do cocaine. But I might start now. Stay fucking relevant. God damn it. Anyway. One last point to defend this song is that David Gilmore, Nick Mason, and apparently even Roger Waters have all approved of this new version and enjoy a fresh take on it. Gilmore actually wanted to duet the song with the Scissor Sisters' Jake Shears at Radio City Music Hall. I think the original, not the remake, obviously. That would have been awesome. But it was canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. And of this cancellation, Jake said he was, quote, emotionally fragile and weeping as he was, quote, over the moon because I can sing the hell out of the song. So he was not too happy that he couldn't sing the song. Because, see, this is one of his favorite Pink Floyd songs. So it was 100% a tribute to them. I mean, clearly, Scissor Scissors are a big fan of Pink Floyd. And I'm not going to knock anybody that wants to do a cover of a song by a band that they really love. Yeah. And again, love it or hate it, you got to give them credit for taking the song and saying, yo, I'm going to do something new and different. We're going to do a disco beat. (laughs) I I, I love it. You know why? Because I I love dance music. It was ballsy just to do that. It's just to completely change the genre of this song. Right. Also ballsy because Pink Floyd Fans are real hardcore. Yeah. So if you transgress against Pink Floyd fans, you're really uh, putting yourself in danger. The internet is a dark and terrifying place. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. So anyway, let's uh, let's move on over with what you got going on. Uh, Yeah, my first one is I Want to Be Adored. 
originally by originally by the stone roses but oh. this cover is by year of the rabbit oh this is super exciting mm-hmm. i don't know this song song was originally done by the stone roses who were a british band from the early 90s credited with being a major player in the madchester movement ha. <laughs> i see what you did there yeah the madchester movement was a music scene in manchester england in the 80s and 90s that fused alternative and quote acid house music together Ooh. um kind of like a meshing of the alternative scene with the 60s psychedelic scene okay and this is what the dandy warhols and the brian jonestown massacre were trying to recreate Ew. on the west coast of of america and they did it fucking half-assed and it didn't work <laughs> but counts. this was kind of like the oasis vibe but well before oasis came onto the scene okay. and actually the stone roses were a huge influence on the gallagher brothers they both went to Stone Roses shows and were hugely influenced by by that experience in particular. And that made them want to start a band. Oh. And also a huge influence on Blur and like all those other like Manchester and English bands of like the mid 90s right. era that started becoming super popular. But the band Year of the Rabbit covered it for their 2003 EP called Hunted Year of the Rabbit was a short-lived rock band started by Ken Andrews, the former frontman of the 90s alternative rock band Failure. And I don't know if you know Failure, but if you don't know Failure, (laughs) you fucking need to know Failure. They did the the song, the cover of the Depeche Mode song, right? Yes. We just talked about that like 10 minutes ago. Yes. Yes, they did. They did a cover of uh, "Enjoy the, the Hell of a Drug." I know, right? <laughs> we are rock candy, after all. Yep. Um, <laughs> but they did. Yeah, they did a cover of "Enjoy the Silence," and it was really good. And it was the only Depeche Mode cover I have ever heard that I've actually liked. Right. But actually, okay, so this is going to be pretty crazy. But I'll tell you in a second. But actually, the reason I know about this song is because I saw "Year of the Rabbit" open. For a perfect circle. Oh. Back in 2004-ish. Okay. Sometime. Yeah, yeah. And they played this song and I fell in love with it, but found out it was a cover of a Stone Roses song and then fell in love with the original and Stone Roses. Right. Like you do. Right. But, see, this is where it becomes a little bit complicated, so I'm going to probably blow your mind again. So... A Perfect Circle is fronted by Maynard James Keenan, who also fronts Tool. Right. Tool is good friends with Failure. Right. Failure, on their album Fantastic Planet, has a song called The Nurse Who Loved Me. Okay. The Nurse Who Loved Me is covered by A Perfect Circle on their album The 13th Step, which came out well after Fantastic Planet. Right. 
So they so all it's keep just an incestual serpent tail eating circle. And then and then failure broke up and Ken Andrews, the front man for failure, started Year of the Rabbit, and then right. Year of the Rabbit covered I Wanna Be Adored and then went out on tour with a perfect circle, <laughs> which is where I saw. It's just like this weird, uh, in, like circles, circles upon circles, and like, like fucking like, Venn diagrams. I feel like that, yeah, that yeah. gif of the woman was really confused, <laughs> yes, and all and the math. Venn diagrams. So and much math. math. That's math. what's happening right fucking now. Yeah. Yep, that's that's what's happening. Yeah. So that's the story of that song. But the funny thing about the Stone Roses is they have influenced a lot of bands. So absolutely, it's they funny sh- that they were relatively short lived, but they had a pretty explosive time when they were popular, and they had a huge influence on a lot of English bands. Huh. All right. Nice. I, the, I need to. A, I need to listen to more Stone Roses just so I. Yeah. I know. mean, you really only have to listen to two albums. <laughs> I don't have much homework. Just and do they're, it. They're really good and. Honestly, if you listen to their first album, you will probably recognize at least a couple songs on there from your childhood that you heard kind of in passing. Mm. And you always kind of maybe heard somewhere like at the supermarket or something. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. I don't know who it is, but whatever. And I completely forget about it. But you'll probably recognize them if you listen to their to their albums. Nice. I highly recommend it if you're bored one day. Which Go listen to it. Most days at work. So <laughs> there you go. Yep. All right. So moving on to my next pick, mm-hmm. I have Jesse's Girl, originally Ooh. originally by Rick Springfield. <gasps> I love Rick Springfield. But covered by Mary Lambert. And she's watching them with those eyes. And she's loving with that body. I just know. It. And he's holding her in his arms late, late at night. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. What can I find a woman like that? Are you sad now? So wrist cutter if I ever heard one. <laughs> That's Jesus. why I like it. He, she took the song and just totally said, nah, I'm, I'm going to mess with y'all. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, because Ashley didn't know, so I'll, I'll explain it. You may know Mary Lambert's voice if you know the song by Macklemore, Same Love. She did the really pretty piano chorus over that song. So that's and where she's from. I... Just realized when we were talking about this that I have never heard a Macklemore song before. Which is kind of impressive. I've, I am so out of the loop when it comes to top 40 shit. That's I fair. Just, I, anything that, if, if it's a person that is going to show up at an MTV award ceremony, I probably have never heard yeah. anything they've done before. Yeah, unless like, MTV shapes up and starts having more rockers, yeah. And like, you, you know... I didn't hear that song Despacitos. There you is go. Is that it? I called Close it Des- enough. I called it Desaparecidos, but that is a band by Connor Oberst. Not the song. That's not. That's not it. I didn't. I never heard that song until I took way too long in the beer store one time. And the whole <laughs> entire song played while I was sitting there looking at beers. <laughs> and they were like, we know how to get her out of here. Play the song. There you go. And then I was like, oh, shit. I've heard all this song. I need to leave now. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Well, so everybody pretty much knows Jesse's Girl. Released in 1981 to become Rick's only number one hit. But 
still an effective earworm even today. It was written about his friend Gary, who had this girlfriend that Rick wasn't even properly introduced to, so he didn't even really know her name. Rick wrote the song basically about them, and he wanted to use his friend's name for the chorus, but went with Jesse instead, since he was wearing a t-shirt with a, with the football player Ron Jesse on it. Aww. So, it is, it is semi-autobiographical. And honestly, who are you going to pick? Rick Springfield? Or fucking Gary. Rick Springfield? Yes. Okay. I, you that's what I thought you were. Rick okay. Springfield. Okay. I it just, I had to make sure. <laughs> okay. You always pick Rick Springfield. Always pick Rick Springfield. Especially 80s Rick Springfield. Yes! Fast forward to 2014 when Mary Lambert released her debut album, Heart on My Sleeve. When creating the record, she had no intention of having any covers on it. But when the label came back to her and said one song probably wouldn't work due to censoring, she had to go back to the drawing board. Due to censoring? So here's a little little footnote here. The song that got cut was a song about rape called Epidemic. And it wasn't that the record, record company didn't support it, but they had to be realistic that some stores would plaster it with warnings while others just wouldn't sell it and at all. plaster it with fucking warnings. Yeah, because... What year was this? 2014. 2013, 2014. So this was like right before people started actually talking about this shit again. Right. This is right before the Me Too movement really got even a little bit of start. So, yeah. And if you... I mean, you heard this song. Mm -hmm. And if you know any other Mary Lambert songs, you know it's not some foul, I want to rape somebody song. It's a song saying, fucking stop raping people. You're ruining lives. Yeah. But let's censor it. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up needing to put one more song on. And fairly quickly, Mary remembered listening to Jessie's Girl recently and thinking, this is so applicable to lesbians. So she sat at her piano and rearranged everything from chord progressions to tempo and truly made it her own song. I didn't mention Mary Lambert. Mary Lambert's a lesbian. Okay. And very proud of her queerness. It's great. And I kind of like how she took that song and said... I'm going to make this for lesbians. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that she didn't change the gender in the song because a lot of people will change the gender depending on the gender of the singer. Right. Um, When they do a cover song. And I fucking hate it when they do that. It kind of ruins it. It kind of ruins it. Yeah. And it shouldn't ruin it, but it kind of does because you make it so straight and heteronormative yeah. and... You don't need to do that. Just sing just the say, fucking yeah, song. Just sing the song when Everybody it's knows it's a cover anyway, so why do you have to change the gender? Yeah, because didn't don't Cheryl Crow did that with Sweet Child of Mine, I think. I, I think she think turned so. she turned into a boy, if I if I recall correctly. I feel like somebody um covered a queen song. I don't know if you remember, there used to be a reality TV show where NXS was trying to find a new lead yes. singer and somebody changed the gender. Of, it might have been a Queen song. I don't remember, but they changed it. And I was so pissed ah, like, when no. I watched that. And I was Mo like, Bright. why did you fucking change it? You ruined this fucking song. Yeah, it's she didn't change it because not only did she not want to change it, but She's she a lesbian, said, so it's applicable to this her. This is super applicable. I'm taking it. And now, instead of being an almost self-deprecating song about a guy who likes his bro's girl, it hits more like a melancholy tale of a woman in love with her friend's girlfriend, but the likelihood of there ever being anything between them is unlikely at best. Yeah. So. Oh, then 
makes it sad. Yeah, it does make it sad, which, uh, yeah, it's already sad because it's slow-tempoed. But probably looking from her point of view, too, if she's... I mean, you could say Jesse's a boy or a girl even in this point, too. True, it's a you very can, androgynous name. It's such an open-ended song. You could be a lesbian and your girlfriend has a girlfriend that you're into, or it could still even be your guy friend mm-hmm. can have a girlfriend. And that's even more heartbreaking because you look at this girl with this guy and think, well, she's probably into dudes. She's never going to be into girls. This fucking sucks for me. Yeah. I just really love how she took that song and just really flipped it on its head. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. I love the piano in it. And she's got a gorgeous voice, so you can do whatever you want, Mary Lambert. Go ahead. I actually really like it when people take up-tempo or poppy songs and flip them on their heads and make them really melancholy or very sad or something like that. Or just do something completely different with it. And not to bring up American Idol again, (laughs) but I'm bringing up American Idol again. Um, There was one season, the winner, David Cook. Oh, he was, that was actually one of the only seasons yeah, I watched because I liked I David really Cook. I really liked David Cook because he was one of, he was like the first contestant that would do covers of songs. On his guitar. On First of all, on his guitar. Second of all, completely changed them so yeah. that he kind of made them his own, but he kept the same kind of feeling that the original had. Right. So like he did like Hello... Yeah, he, he did, did a great... Oh, his version of Hello is great. And he did do Billie Jean, but he did Chris Cornell's version oh, of Billie yeah. Jean. And that was really good. Now, granted, he's doing a cover of a cover, but shit, I'll take that over just doing Billie Jean. Right. He At least he's taking a note from a musician that's more in his field who yeah. already did a cover that was really different and is still applicable to him. Right. So. Anyway, so what do you got going? So the next song I have... Is Where Did You Sleep Last Night by Nirvana. You know, what I really liked was when David Bowie covered their their song. What? You know. No. David Bowie covered. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Who sold the world. I think that's right. No, that's wrong. I know that's wrong. (laughs) That was a David Bowie song. David Bowie did not like when people said that to him. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that they didn't. Did not care for that. So this song, actually, Nirvana covered this song on their Unplugged special for MTV. And this is actually a very old American folk song with versions dating all the way back to the 1870s and possibly even earlier than that. It was originally called In the Pines, but with all the different renditions through the years, its title and some of the words have been changed just a little bit. Just touch. Just a little bit. It originates from the Appalachian area of the South, like Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina. It's mainly associated with Bill Monroe, 
But I think mainly because of Nirvana's cover of the song, it's also associated with Lead Belly. Oh, yeah. Lead Belly was a prolific African-American blues and folk musician that played a 12-string guitar, among many other instruments, and happened to be one of Kurt Cobain's main influences. I could see that. Nirvana famously performed the song on their MTV Unplugged special, and it instantly became a fan favorite, certainly helped by the fact that it was the last song Cobain performed at the last televised performance he ever did. Oh. Yeah, Unplugged, I think, actually aired after he died. Oh. And that kind of gives Nirvana's version this weird melancholy vibe. Not only did Kurt die shortly after Unplug was filmed, but the song itself was pretty de- has a pretty depressing story. Yeah. It's about a man confronting his wife about cheating on him, and he gets into a car accident afterward and dies. Oh. That's... Yeah, because it says his head was found in the driving wheel, but yeah. his body never was found. Yeah. So he was kind of decapitated in a car accident, but something took his body. Oh. Yeah, it's it's pretty melancholy. That's gruesome. It's very gruesome. I remember being in junior high and being obsessed with Nirvana and everything. And I would watch Unplugged on repeat constantly. And there's this one point at the end of the song, Kurt is just like belting out this fucking song. And at one point, he says he has this like screechy part and he just stops and sighs and opens his eyes. And his eyes are super, super blue. And with all of the studio lights and everything, he opens his eyes and they're just like a flash of bright blue. Oh. And then he just continues singing. And it's like this super chilly moment. You'd look into his eyes and it's just, you get chills, especially because it was the last thing he ever sang on TV before he died. It's so fucking freaky. And it gives, I think, a different kind of level of emotion to this song. Yeah. He was such a prolific person without trying to be. And the fact that I said that, if he ever heard that, he would just roll his eyes and just say, (laughs) no, I'm fucking not. You're just blowing smoke up my ass. It's kind of amazing how interesting and deep of a person he was while just trying to be a regular fucking guy. Yeah. And it's like he just kept stepping into this absolute legendary legacy that he, there was no way around it unless he just never became famous. Yeah. I think a lot of people were telling him how good of a musician he was and how great of a songwriter he was. And he... In a desperate attempt to be a humble person, refused to let himself believe it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't really think you're that great of a songwriter. Right. But he was, it's, it's, Nirvana was definitely a case of right place at the right time. Yeah. Mixed in with some, some good musicianship and some good, some relatively decent songwriting. I think it's all helped by the fact that there was such a short-lived run. Yeah, that certainly helps. They never Bring it to a a legendary status. Yeah. Um, But I do think that their Unplugged performance was one of the best ones that MTV ever did. Oh, yeah. Helped by the fact that they did so many covers. Yeah. 
on their unplugged. They did Jesus Don't Want Me for a Sunbeam. They did two meat puppets or three meat puppet songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they did Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Yep. And they were all really good. And honestly, I think that they were better than their originals their original that, they, songs. Did, oh my that God. they did for the unplugged. But this especially was a really good one. Funny story is Kurt tells um, a story about Lead Belly before they start performing this song. Mm-hmm. And apparently somebody found out that he was a really big fan of Lead Belly and they offered to sell him Lead Belly's guitar for like $50,000. Oh my God. I think in the story, Kurt may have said it was $500,000. It was a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And Kurt was just like, um, no. Uh, I'm not going to buy that. That's Lead Belly's guitar. Yeah. I'm not touching that. Huh? He, pr- I feel like Kurt was the kind of guy who probably looked at something like a Lead Belly's guitar and say, I'm not touching that. I don't get to touch that. That's Lead Belly's yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's too legendary for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like you said, he's trying to be humble. So he didn't let himself yeah. believe that he was talented. So it's easy to look at something like that and say, oh, I don't get to, yeah. I don't deserve to touch that. Yeah. But um, Lead Belly himself was a pretty interesting dude. Yeah. He has a fucking story oh yeah we will definitely cover that i would love to to cover lead belly that might even be a two-part i think it would be his story is amazing it has like it has crime it has civil rights it has you know all of this stuff wound into it he was born in the late 1800s and lived up Mm -hmm. through uh the 1940s i believe he's I think the 50s. Maybe the 50s. Either way. So he's seen some but shit. He he's was he was fascinating. In, he was incarcerated. He oh, murdered yeah. a dude. He's he was, got a problematic story, <laughs> he too. He married a couple times. I think he may have been married to two women at the same time. I don't think he was great to his wives. Not at all. <laughs> I think he actually... I don't know. I but think he also, he was a very good musician. He's an amazing a, musician. And all self-taught. Yeah. Yeah. So he was... A pretty interesting dude to begin with. So I completely understand why Kurt was pretty interested in his story and his yeah. music. So Yeah, that's that sounds like Kurt's but bag. Where Did You Sleep Last Night is has this melancholy tone to it mm-hmm. that I think was always there to begin with, but I think Kurt's vocals bring a completely different level to it. Oh, and definitely. Just the whole aura surrounding the whole thing of his death and th- and MTV not airing this until after he died makes it even more mysterious and dark, haunting and ominous. It's, almost. It's very haunting. Oh. <laughs> but hopefully yours is a little bit. I was say I'm not following uh, that up with haunting. I am following that up with anger and mm. rage. If you would. Is it Rage Against the Machine? It is. It's Maggie's Farm, originally by Bob Dylan, but covered by Rage Against the Machine. Weird. I ain't gonna work on Maggie's Farm no more. No, I ain't gonna work on Maggie's Farm no more. Well, I wake up in the morning, fold my hands and break for rain. I got a head full of ideas that are driving me insane. This is shame. The way she makes me scrub the floor. See, they're so angry. They're not gonna work on my farm anymore. This is so funny. I know. I I like it. 
I just think it's funny because it's a Bob Dylan song. Right, being covered by Rage Against the Machine. It's such a Rage Against the Machine song. But it is. I ain't gonna work on burner, burner, <laughs> Maggie's farm no more. Burner, or you be like, burner. I ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. <laughs> we yeah. do really good impressions. We're really good at this, guys. Actually, the Bob Dylan wasn't that off. Come on. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Written by the poetic Dylan back in 1965, this song has been seen through many different lenses. Some see it as a blunt look at life in the service industry. Others say it's a rock star's gripe to the many masters they have to serve. The record company, the producers, the fans, etc., etc. However, when covered by hard rock band Rage Against the Machine, I think the words come out pretty clear. Or at least pretty angry. It applies. It does. To Rage Against the Machine really, really well. Well, Rage Against the Machine is so known for their outspoken political views and their activism. So it's not hard to imagine they wanted to reignite this song for those in the middle class, the working families, the impoverished. Right. And this song, I heard it. It's going to be hilarious. I heard this on the end credits for the movie The Other Guys. That movie with <laughs> really? Will Ferrell and yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Which was actually filmed in Albany, yep. New York, but which is our area. Yeah. Represent. How about that? Represent Albany. I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Other Guys. Yes. It is. It's a, yeah, it's a funny buddy cop movie, yeah. but at the end, it deals with the corruption in Wall Street and big corporations and all this shit. And you didn't think that was good. That was a real hard life turn that I, <laughs> at the end of the movie, was like, Whoa. Oh, and then the end credits actually give you facts about how we're getting fucked by the government and the banks. Oh, wow. And they play this song. And I was like, I'm really angry and the song is super like, appropriate. A movie with Mark Wahlberg in it made me think, what's going on? I like how you didn't say a movie with Will Ferrell made me think. It was it was Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, which is fair. I've had to think during Will Ferrell movies more than I've had to think during Mark Wahlberg movies. It's true. But it's just so fitting right now, I think, because everybody's so fucking fed up. There's such a fucking income disparity. There's a 1% that we have to fight against. And we're just pushed down constantly. And this song is still relevant to that. So whether or not it's part of Dylan's original theme, it works now. Well, whether or not it's done by Bob Dylan or Rage Against the Machine or anybody, it's still applicable. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how... I just think it's really cool how not only has it been reimagined in a way that's very... And it's Bob Dylan. It's kind of folky and yeah, nah. but then, <laughs> it's kind of whiny. Uh, I don't want to call Bob screechy. Dylan whiny. He's just nasally. He just, he's, he's nasally. He's nasally. Yeah, that's what it is. He's not whiny. He's, he's nasally. nasally. Yes, just get him some flonase. He'll be fine. He'll be all right. But and now it's just this intense, hard, angry song because honestly, back then we were angry, but we're a lot angrier now. Yeah. I guess I can't talk because I'm sure, I mean, I wasn't born in the 60s, so I don't know how angry people were. But we tried a lot more love and peace back then, whereas now I don't see that as much of a tactic. Mm-hmm. Now we're just angry and we hate each other and we sit in our houses on our computers and just yell at each other on Facebook. So and we're YouTube angry. Comments. And YouTube Don't ever read youtube comments <laughs> don't do it don't fucking do it you it will ruin your day legit 
ruin your day. Don't do it. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> anyway. But yeah. So that's my take on that song. I like it. Take from that what you will. It's a pretty good one. I'll, g- <laughs> I'll give it to him. It fits with the Rage Against the Machine repertoire. It's just hilarious to hear a Bob Dylan song done in the style of, of Rage Against, Against the Machine. Machine. Yeah. It's, just, it's like, of course this is a, this is a Rage Against the Machine of song. Of course it is. Yeah. It's almost a case where, wait, this was a Bob Dylan song? Because it sounds like a Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah. yeah. So the next one we're going to talk about is Bad Moon Rising by Rasputina, originally done by Credence Clearwater Revival. CCR, bitches. CCR. This cover, I think, is pretty awesomely unconventional. I'm going to say they brought it back to that tight butthole. <laughs> and I'm really digging it. Yeah, it's not a wide butthole. No, it's not it's a not, loose butthole. It's not a, it's not a thrift store used no. butthole. It's... <laughs> why are we comparing this? You've never... It's from... Oh, my God. What was that show? You know, whatever. Keep going. I'll remember <laughs> it in a minute. And it, it's a tight butthole. Of a song. Bring back that type yeah. hole. Um, mostly because Rasputina is a pretty awesomely unconventional band. Yeah. They're one of the they're one of the pioneering bands of the cello rock genre. So everything you heard just now was done on cellos. Well, except for that one guitar solo, right? No, that was a cello. There's no guitars in this band. Well. As far as I know, there are no guitars. It's well, all cellos but way to raise the bar and i need more cello bands in my fucking life yeah really they're fucking amazing instead of guitars they use acoustic and electric cellos and the effect is pretty mesmerizing you can do so much with a cello yeah you can and you can get that fuzzy heavy sound a guitar has but also the soft sound of an orchestral string instrument the sounds Rasputina gets with a cello is pretty astounding. Seriously, though. And I think this song really encapsulates that. They really take it to a whole different level. They do. It, Yeah. It's it's so intense. And you think about it, too, a song like Bad Moon Rising, that should be a really intense song. Yeah. And not that CCR isn't intense, but the 70s were different. Yeah. But their version is kind of a little more poppy. If you will. Always makes me think of American Werewolf in London, though. Because it's in that. that it is, isn't that it? That movie. It is. Right? Isn't that in It's the... in a lot of movies, isn't but that... it is featured very heavily in that Yeah, because isn't it like in the beginning, I feel like, when they're first walking the moors? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. But um, still on the topic of Rasputina, yes. the core musician in the band is Melora Krager. She started the band in 1992 and has been the only original member since. Oh, shit. She kept the same kind of aesthetic, too. Hugely inspired by Victorian-era clothing and hairstyles, she usually wears that kind of clothing on stage and in videos. 
Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. She's fucking amazing. I want it. I want she it in my life. has been like the core of this band since the early 90s. She had a vision in her head of what she wanted to do, the sound she wanted, the clothing, everything, the whole look. And she Damn. has kept with it. And it's not dated. That's you know? Awesome. She has really developed it with to actually meet the aesthetic of the times as well as you know everything that she wants it to look like so it's modern but it also harkens back to the victorian era really hard that's pretty amazing it doesn't look like she's stuck in some kind of rut huh she really takes it to a next level all right she she's smart about it you've piqued my interest to really look into this band they are so good i saw rasputina back when i was in college in like 2005 or 2006 first of all the band murder by death opened for them another like cello driven band (laughs) so good if you don't know who Murder by Death is, fucking check them out. They're amazing. And Murder by Death and Rasputina toured together. And the show was so much fun. There was like nobody there. Oh. And they just put on such a good show. And their sound is amazing. Because the sound that you get with, a, with an electric cello and also an acoustic cello is so much different and so much more pure. It's fat. Than, yeah. It's this Big, thick, fat. But it's also... Fills the room. But it's also clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. a different kind of instrument than a guitar is. You can get that, like, heavy, fuzzy sound that a guitar can mm-hmm. have, but it's so much clearer, and it just... It, it gives you chills. Yeah, yeah. It gives it's you probably chills. with the string, it just... It doesn't muddle so much. Right, right. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> As for the song itself... It was written by John Fogarty in the late 60s when he was with Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. It was inspired by the 1941 movie The Devil and Daniel Webster about a down-on-his-luck farmer who meets the devil and sells him his soul in exchange for seven years of prosperity. Hmm. The classic Faustian storyline. There's a scene in the movie where the destructive and devastating hurricane hits, and for some reason Fogarty really liked that scene and took inspiration from it for his song. A lot of people relate the song to the political climate at the time. The Vietnam War was going on. Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy had just been assassinated. And this song had that apocalyptic feel to it that everyone was kind of feeling at the time. Like it was a warning, like it was warning people that bad times were upon us and the world was going to end. Wow. I totally thought it was a song from the 70s. I didn't realize it was... 60s. 60s. Wow. And that's crazy to write it around that time and have it. Yeah. And honestly, I I really do like the original uh, CCR version, but there's something about the the cellos in Rasputina's version that makes it a little bit um, more haunting and a little bit scarier. Oh, definitely. It's it leaves me feeling much more uneasy than yeah. CCR's version, which isn't a bad thing. No, it's good really thing. good. I just mean like that doesn't make CCR's bad. That's what I meant. Yeah. But either way, yeah, it's it really brings the theme of the song home. And I think there's a nice contrast between um the actual 
music, the instrumentation of Rasputina's version and Melora Krager's voice. Oh, yeah. She has a very distinctive voice. She has this very strange vibrato. And it's it's almost kind of like her vibrato cuts her own voice into yeah, sections, yeah, yeah, yeah. if that makes any sense. Listen to some of Rasputina's original songs and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, it's not like a Whitney Houston vibrato. It's very like she sticks her own voice in a way. Yeah, there's just something really... Uh, Really different and haunting just because it, it brings a slightly more apocalyptic and helpless and hopeless kind of vibe, I think, to this song. Apocalyptic. Which, yeah, which like, I think is what John Fogarty was kind of going yeah. for in the first place. Which, yeah, that scene sounds yeah. very apocalyptic. But I was going to say, speaking of cello groups and apocalyptic... You know, else's cello group is Apocalyptica. Yeah. But I didn't use them because you want to know why? Because that's their their jam is to just cover songs I, on their cellos. Last minute I thought about that and I'm like, you know, Apocalyptica is... Apocalyptica is a band. I was like, you know what? Apocalyptica's whole first album was just Metallica covers on cellos yeah. and it was really good. No, they weren't. But at the same time, Apocalyptica is really not that good anymore. They're so fine. Ugh. <sighs> I saw them two yeah. years ago. And they and act like a boy band. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. Oh, they're a Norwegian boy band, it's basically, fine. which fine. is fine. I mean, the the Metallica covers are so really good. They are very good. You should listen to that album if you don't know what we're talking well, about. Well, so I guess if you like Apocalyptica, you're gonna fucking love Rasputina because they're really good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's how I bring it around. Rasputina is way better. Yeah. <laughs> but so. Time to up your game. Yeah. Kids. But for now, I'll move on to my choice for next song, which is What is Love? Originally by Hathaway, <laughs> but covered. <laughs> what? But covered by Kiza. So yeah, I did it again. I gave you another dancey song turned into a sad sack song. Yeah, and I'm okay a, with that. That's a sad sack song for it sure. It is. But I think it's it's not as sad as Jesse's Girl was. I think it's kind of one of those, like, it's, it can be a mellow song. All right. When you're just like sitting by yourself and you're like, I want a glass of wine and listen to a nice mellow song. Because we do that a lot. <laughs> so literally... This was the number one hit heard around the world, released in 1993, and forever a part of pop culture history. Written by German music producers Dee Dee Halligan and Junior Torello, but performed by Hathaway. Them Germans, man. They Them know Germans. how to make a good they dance do. song. They do. And then Hathaway knew how to make that sexy voice make it fucking mm -hmm. work. In 2015, when someone asked Hathaway about the meaning of the song, he simply said, it's just that everyone needs to define their own meaning of love. What is love should really read as, what is love to you? 
I really like it when people ask artists what a song means when that artist didn't write that song. Yeah. What's the song about? And also, just there's gonna like fucking make some shit up. There's like care. five lines to this song. Yeah. Really? You can't Baby don't out hurt what me. is love. Baby don't hurt me no more. What is what love? is love? Baby don't hurt me. There's you have two options. What is love? Like what is love? Or what is love to you? Right. That's really your options here. Right. I don't know why you needed a deeper meaning on it, but whatever. Yeah. The year before, in 2014, when fresh-faced Chiesa, I don't know if Chiesa is how you say it. That's what we're going with. But that's what I'm going with. Chiesa? Forgive us. Chiesa? No, I think it's like Chiesa. I'm going with Chiesa. Like Kesha without the H? Maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. So Chiesa comes onto the scene with her debut album, Sound of a Woman. She decided to punch it up a notch with a new look on an old classic. She took the hot dance hit and turned it into a soulful piano ballad. It gives it almost an entire new meaning, making the listener really hear the anguish of someone wondering what the hell this person is doing to them. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Like, come on. Stop hurting me. Right. Don't hurt me no more. (laughs) You know, you don't think about the lyrics when you're dancing to it, but when someone's just belting it out on the verge of tears, you think, oh my God, who hurt you? Who hurt you? So I really enjoyed the twist that they put on the song. Yeah. And again, I just really love it when someone takes a song and flips it on its head and says, what if you look at it through this lens mm. and you think, wow, what is love? But that's about all I have on it. There's, this isn't a really deep song, guys. Again. That's fine. There's not really a lot to it. You don't always need to have a deep song. Hey. It's fine. What is love to you, though? Uh, it's cheese fries. <laughs> It is cheese fries. Always cheese fries. With bacon and sour cream. No. Sour cream on the side. That's fine. All right. We can do that. We can compromise. Fuck. Now I want Taco Bell. Just play the next song. (laughs) What is the next song? Valerie. By, uh, originally by the Zootons. Yes. But covered by Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse. But mostly Amy Winehouse. But mostly Amy Winehouse. That song's my fucking jam. It's really good. It's a great fucking song. So the original version of the song came out not that long ago in 2006. Honestly, I didn't even know it was a cover. Yeah. Definitely a cover. Well, because then the Mark Ronson... Came out a year later. A two- year? Only a year in 2007. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to at least give it till 2008. No, not okay. even. Um, okay. It was written and performed originally by an English band called the Zootons, and Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse covered it and released it on Ronson's album Version, which came out in 2007. Wow. The recording of this song was kind of last minute. Ronson was helping Amy record her debut album, Back to Black, and at the tail end of the recording sessions, he asked her to record something with him for his next album. Oh. He asked Amy what songs she really likes at the moment and what she'd want to record, and she threw out Valerie by the Zootons because it was a song she was really digging at the moment. It just came out. It was still getting radio play. 
So it was fresh on everybody's minds. Oh, okay. So they recorded it and gave it a much different vibe than the original. The original was good, don't get me wrong, but I almost like the Ronson Winehouse version better. The Zootons gave it a very indie rock feel, while Ronson and Amy put this classic Motown spin on it that just wakens the song right up. It's fun. You can snap your fingers to it and dance to it at the bar, but it also makes you happy, even though it's kind of a downer of a song. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's really all about this girl, Valerie, that's doing this dude wrong. Like, she's just going out and doing her thing, and he's just kind of like, why don't you come over and hang out with me? And she's like, nah, I'm ghosting you, bro. Bye. Yeah. And again... She didn't change the gender or anything. Yeah, this is a perfect example of not changing the gender when you cover a song because you don't need to. It still has the same feeling, the same message, and it doesn't fuck... The gender doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It plays off so well. Who gives a shit? You don't even think about it. Right. I mean, the original song is still good. You should go and listen to it if you haven't heard it. It, Yeah, I don't think I really know it. It's slower. I and bet I've heard it and thought it was a cover of this. Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry, Zootons. Yeah, but the Zootons version is still good. Right. But it's very indie. It's very, like, Brit rock. Yep. Um, but this has that Amy Winehouse feel to it. And that's why I really like it. And you can you can snap your fingers to yeah. it. You can, you can dance to it. It's really good. And, you know, oh, this needs to be our, like, fucking jukebox staple. Yeah. What, it's really what's good. wrong with us? I don't know. It's re- it's a really good song. And fucking Mark Ronson, what the fuck? Everything you touch is golden. Seriously. You fucking Midas, King Midas piece of shit. God damn it. Ugh. He, yeah, he puts out some hot songs and I'm sitting over here saying, well, you gotta dance to all of these, even though I hate dancing. I am a terrible <laughs> dancer. You're a pretty bad dancer. I'm the worst dancer <laughs> that any of us know yeah i'm just i'm a really bad dancer but if you get a couple drinks in me and you put on a solid fucking jam i'm gonna go you'll get those fucking fingers i'll get the fingers up you'll get your fingers i can up. hold up i get low though that's you the can only get low. thing that is the only thing you i have because i do a lot of squats so i can get really low you can get low but your fingers are still up my fingers are always up <laughs> jamming around like a dancer <laughs> And so okay, let's go on to your yeah. Your next this one. this isn't a dancey jam. This next song I got is "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road," originally by Elton John, but covered by Queens of the Stone Age. Ooh, yeah, I knew you'd pique your fucking interest. Okay, so this isn't really an unconventional cover like everything else I've been doing. I just really, really like it. Yeah. Sir Elton John co-wrote this song with Bernie Taupin in 1973. John on music, Taupin on lyrics. A ballad that is an obvious metaphor to the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz. It talks about following a yellow brick road, a magical road... It's a big road. It's a big, beautiful road. But where does the red brick road go? Satan. Does it? 
Probably. Can we go find that? Bro- can we? Can we? Hi, Satan. Hey. So, but the yellow brick road, it will lead you to your wildest fantasies. But at the end of the day, what you really want is to just go back to a simpler life. And that's mm-hmm. what this song is about. Okay. This past April, two Elton John slash Bernie Taupin tribute albums came out. Revamp, which was John's project for pop covers, and Restoration, which was Taupin's project for country covers. On both, there are a slew of well-known musicians doing stellar versions of these songs. Miley Cyrus is on both of them, by the way. Ugh, whatever. But the one that piqued my interest the most was Queens of the Stone Age. When I saw that they were doing a song on this, I thought, well, hold up. How are you going to sound doing an Elton John song? Mm -hmm. And I was not disappointed. They didn't necessarily reimagine something completely out of left field, But I found myself enjoying it for the opposite reason. It actually sounds like it would be a Queen of the Stone Age song. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also still sounds a lot like the original. Well, yeah, it's still definitely... If you know Elton John's Yellow Brick Road, you know this Mm. song. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like if Josh Homme was producing an Elton John song. Yeah. Just like how... Iggy Pop's latest album, which was co-written and produced by Josh Homme, sounds a lot like Iggy Pop being produced Produced by by Josh Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. That's that's what this song sounds like. Right. You know, it's funny because sometimes a cover can sound like the exact same song just sung by someone else. Mm -hmm. Again, Weezer's version of Africa. Stop it. While this song doesn't stray far from the original... I could totally see this being on a Queens of the Stone Age album. Maybe mm-hmm. on like Clockwork, something along those lines. Somehow, without going through a drastic change, they still made it their own song. Mm-hmm. Which I can really appreciate and respect. And I fucking love Queens of the Stone Age. Like Tori Amos, you can do no wrong. You can pass go. And you know what? Here's an extra 200. You got 400 now for passing go. Um... Josh Homme can pass my go. <laughs> oh, yeah! Anytime. <laughs> um, I mean, they've had missteps. I will I will fully right. admit to that. Of they, course. They've totally had their missteps. But when they get it right, they get it so fucking right. Yeah. It's so good. So good. But, uh, yeah. Tall slice of ginger. Mm. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Is, is that all you got to say about that? What? You have a song to do? I start thinking about Josh Homme. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have another song. Oh, okay. Um, I believe this one is Gold Dust Woman by Hole. Mm. Originally, obviously, by Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. fucking Mac. <laughs> Harmonies are nice. And that's Melissa after Mars doing contribution. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I was I really do like her. As much as I hate 
Okay, so Melissa Alfdermar lives in Hudson, New York. Hell she, yeah. She is part owner of Basilica Hudson. And as much as I don't like that place and don't like Hudson, I really like her. Yeah. So good for her. She's a very talented musician. Oh, yeah. Um, Question her choice of joining Smashing Pumpkins that one time. But, you know, I'm not going to get on her case about it. Well, it's fine. She also worked with Courtney Love. Maybe she just figured she could hack it. Oh, if you, I guess. Hold if, up! If you had to pick between Billy don't, Corgan, don't, and Courtney don't, Love, don't make me, don't make me choose. I would choose to jump off a cliff. Honestly, do I have a gun in my hand? <laughs> do I have other choices? Yes. What are my other options? What are my other options? So, would you rather? It's the worst game of Would You Rather <laughs> oh. ever. The worst. <laughs> so this whole cover was actually my first introduction to this song. Oh. Despite how big of a Fleetwood Mac fan I am, at this point in time when this song came out, I didn't really know who Fleetwood Mac was. I was like 13. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac was one of those bands that I knew a handful of songs. Gold Dust Woman, I did not learn until later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I probably knew the chain because oh, yeah. at that point, um, the dance stop. Had, the dance had already come out. That was a huge deal. Silver Springs. So I knew those songs. I didn't really know Gold Dust Woman because yeah. that was not a single off of their dance album. Exactly. So I didn't really know Fleetwood Mac before this, but I loved this song when it first came out, despite the fact that I kind of really hated Hole and was <laughs> at that point. I was thoroughly convinced in my 13-year-old mind that Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain. (laughs) So I was like, fuck, Hole, Courtney Love is the worst. She's a murderer. But I kind of really like this song. And that just goes to show the amazing lengths that music and speak to. Exactly. Exactly. Good job, Courtney. (laughs) And she made me like this song. So, of course, this was written by the indelible Stevie Nicks Mm. for the Fleetwood Mac album, Rumors. The song itself is about drugs. Surprise. yep. Surprise. Super. And how addicted to them Stevie was at the time back in the late 70s when Rumors was recorded. It's kind of about the realization that you're addicted to these things that are killing you, like digging your own grave with a spoon. Yeah. Yeah. Some fun facts. This was recorded by Stevie at 4 a.m. with a scarf wrapped around her face and the studio lights dimmed. It took 20 or 30 takes before they finally got the final cut. Mm -hmm. The whole version appeared on the Crow City of Angels soundtrack, which is where I first heard it. And the whole version was also produced by Rick Ocasek of The Cars. Believe it or not. Huh. Weird, huh? Huh. You, You wouldn't think. Where have you been all this time, Rick? Right? Hey, Sean? Rick. Hey, Rick. Where you been? He's like producing whole songs, apparently. And living in my hometown. Another <laughs> Everybody one. lives in your hometown. Everybody lives in my hometown, because, inclu- including Rick Ocasek. Because when you don't, when you want to be near New York City, but you have enough money to be able to just commute there every day. And you have enough money to buy like 150 acres of empty land with a giant mansion on and it. And you fucking don't want to be around people anymore. And also the people you are around... You don't want them to give a fuck about who you are. Which they don't. Move to Millerton, New York. There you go. Because nobody ain't going to give a shit who the fuck you are. Well, so that's interesting that you had a Fleetwood Mac song. Because my honorable... So we went through my... I guess... I'm not going to say top five. 
my five main picks. Mm -hmm. But now to my honorable mention, which is going to go to Dreams, also originally by by Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac Mac from the same album, Rumors, Uh but covered by Girl Blue. Dreams of loneliness like a heartbeat drives you mad in the stillness of remembering what you have and what you lost, what you Sounds like something I would be super into when I was in college. (laughs) I would be so into that song, like sitting at my computer, just like vegging out, vegging out. Like someone comes into your dorm, get out! I'm listening to my Fleetwood Mac covers. I should be doing research for an English paper, and I'm just like grooving, writing on your live journal. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And your mood would be quizzotic while listening to this song. I didn't know what quizotic meant till like, I didn't have might, a live journal anymore. Like, I might put this as my like profile song on my MySpace. Oh yeah, Totes. Tom's my best friend on MySpace. Is he your number one on your friends list? He wasn't even a number eight. Sorry, Ouch. Tom. Sorry, Tom. Sick burn. Sick burn, Tom. <laughs> well. It's funny, I heard this song the first time maybe a month ago on EQX, and it was that kind of, I know this song, I know this, holy shit, this is Dreams. It was one of those moments that really hit me, and it's fun because it's me adding a little bit of local flair into our podcast. Oh, yes. Yes, So, Ariel O'Keefe, also known as Girl Blue, is an Albany-based musician who has been trying to build up her career for a few years. She apparently has a ton of hits on Spotify, so go check her out. I've actually grabbed a few of her other songs. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I would highly suggest her even beyond this song. She's originally from Long Island. She was in New York City for a little bit. Long Island. Long Island. The jewel of New York? Is that what you call (laughs) it? The jewel of the East Coast. Jewel of the East Coast. Yes. And she's ended up making her way up here. And I think she actually filmed one of her music videos like around Center Square. Because huh. I was looking at it, I'm like, I think that's Center Square. Nice. Hmm. So it's it's just kind of fun. We all know the story about the Fleetwood Mac album rumors. Or you would if you listened to episode number three. Number three, bitches. Where we talk about Fleetwood Mac. Yes. And so, the whole goddamn story. Whole goddamn story. Dreams is a Stevie Nicks song written during the tumultuous breakup with Lindsay Buckingham and contains a lot of the themes and the drama and the bullshit that all came with that. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of breakup themes in this one. Awesome song, though. Mm-hmm. And Girl Blue takes the song and really makes it her own, keeping that solitary feeling but giving it a modern take, composition-wise. And on her inspiration, she said, Rumors was an album I'd always had around as a kid, but it really hit me differently as an adult. The album is full of hits, but Dreams has always been the quintessential Rumors song for me. Which- it's interesting because Dreams is one of my least favorite Stevie Nicks written Fleetwood Mac songs. Really? I don't really I don't really like it that much. Like it's a good song, but it's right. certainly it's nowhere near like even my top 10. I would say I would definitely put in my top 10. And maybe number maybe 9. Even, maybe. I might even put in my top 5. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> However, I almost picked 
a, a different Dreams cover. That would have been really funny. There's, <laughs> By, like, there's a lot of covers of Dreams, guys. Yeah, there's a lot of them. But um, one of my favorites, actually, is By The Coors. Oh, that's Who right. is an Irish pop band. I love them. They're one of the very few, like, straight up pop bands that I really, really like. Probably simply because they're Irish. They do a lot of traditional Irish songs. So yeah. that really speaks to my heartstrings. That's fair. So. Everybody's got that. I almost picked that one, but I didn't. It would have been pretty funny. Now, instead, you want to hold though. No. <laughs> well, I just really appreciate that she has such an affinity for Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. She fucking gets it. And even in her music video, it channels the witchcraft vibes of Stevie Nicks. And she even grabbed some inspiration from the films The Craft and The Witch. Yes. The VV Witch. Yes. VV Itch. The Vitch. Vitch. I still haven't it's, seen that. It's a really good movie. It um, got really hyped and I didn't see it. And now everybody's like, no, no, go, go now. It's kind of a hard watch. It's a slow build. It's a very slow build. Which I can do. It's a confusing ending. Also, everybody speaks in Old English. Well, that's fun. So it's not... Nobody's speaking like straight American here. It's very Old English, Old American, whatever you want to call it. It's hard to understand. (laughs) Old American. It's Old American. Unlike Young Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got two I have honorable mentions. Two honorable mentions because I just couldn't decide. Well, now I feel like I should couldn't have two. You, if you have another one off the top of your head, nah, that's all right. It's been a while. It's fine. So my first honorable mention is from a band that we've already covered. Yeah. Gossip. Yeah. And they did a cover of Careless Whisper, originally done by George Michael. I can never mend. The careless whisper of a good friend to the heart and mind. Ignorance is kind. There's no comfort in the truth. Pain is all you find. I'm never gonna cancel again. My guilty feet have got no rhythm. Oh, it's easy to pretend. All right, so. I'm not going to get into the full story of this song because it's just an honorable mention, but this was originally done by George Michael. It was a single off of his first solo album after Wham broke up. Right. And I would like to think we're going to eventually do a George Michael episode. We better. (laughs) Oh, shit. Period. Even if it's just Wham. Wham. I don't care. We need to do something with George Michael because... Wham's fantastic. It's a true story. But um, the gossip covered this song for an album called Radio One Established 1967, which was a compilation album of covers by a popular British artist to commemorate Radio BBC Radio One's 40th anniversary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fucking fantastic covers on that album. There's a cover of Crazy For You by Madonna. By Groove Armada. That is so good. There's so many layers to that. Oh my god, so good. Um, Foo Fighters do Band on the Run. Oh man. Kylie Minogue does a fantastic cover of Roxy Music's Love is the Drug. Oh nice. So good. Which is another, like, that could be a jukebox gem for us. It should it's be. so good. Um, Lily Allen does Don't Get Me Wrong by The Pretenders. Like, such a fantastic 
yeah. list of covers I'm by great artists. I'm just going to buy this whole album. You really should. There's so many. There's like, damn. God, like 30 covers on it. Oh, it's so awesome. good. Um, but yeah, that's honorable mention number one. Yeah. Number two. She's got rolling in the deuce. Number two. Begrudgingly. Don't make fun of me, guys. Do you know what? We all have our moments. It's a guilty pleasure, but it's really good. It's Stay, originally done by Rihanna, covered by 30 Seconds to Mars. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't like Rihanna, and I don't like 30 Seconds to Mars. Rihanna's fine. 30 Seconds to Mars. I've got a couple where I'm like, this is pretty okay. But Jared Leto's kind of on my shit list. He did I don't it really, himself. Like, I don't really know why, but like, I'm someday I'm going to find a good reason why he's on my shit list. But for now, he's just park there for, for me it started you know where it started what? requiem for it started oh, with requiem oh, for yeah. a dream and Completely. it continued with his portrayal of the joker yeah. yeah 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 come for me either way this is really good cover it is and the original is good for a current top 40 ballad kind of song but there's something about jared leto's voice that puts soul and feeling into the song that i don't really get with rihanna's version yeah yeah, there's a grittiness. There's a desperation. Rihanna's kind of has it, but she has such a light, pretty voice yeah. that it doesn't play off the same way that Jared Leto's does. Yeah. So I can see that. And also, the first time I heard this song being done by 30 Seconds to Mars was surprisingly on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Okay. I know this sounds ridiculous, but YouTube that performance and listen to that song his voice is amazing. The acoustics somehow sound fantastic. And it's, I think, is a better version than the recorded version. So that performance made me fall in love with this song. It made me fall in love with this version of the song, at All right. least. So go find the Ellen DeGeneres version of Stay by 30 Seconds to Mars. And you will understand why I love this version of this song so much. Interesting. It's right. really good. And also it helps that Jared Leto looks really good. Yeah. On that. Sometimes so, I want to like Jared Leto. This when, was during his like rocker Jesus phase mm, when yeah. he had like the long hair. Yeah. This was before like he won all the awards for Dallas Buyers Club. This was before he cut his hair for the fucking Which is piece funny of shit Joker. Because whatever. I love Dallas Buyers Club made me kind of like him again. Yeah. Maybe, but I maybe someday, maybe, maybe we'll get there, Jared Leto. I mean, I maybe understand we'll get there. all the flack that people were giving him about it. I totally get it. And because people were giving him flack because he was a straight white dude playing a transgender mm. role that was not given to an actual mm, transgender yeah, actor. Not great. I get it, but I don't know. I, that's that's not I, really here nor there, like, is I, it? I, I feel like 
maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I can still like this cover and still have contempt for Jared Leto. <laughs> no, I definitely like songs that artists that I have contempt for. A brand new. 100%. There you go. I have total contempt for Jesse Lacey, but I still can't help but like brand new. I've liked a Katy Perry song once or twice oh. and hated myself for it. Shame. Yeah. Shame. I'm gonna chop my hair Shame. off and walk me down the streets naked. Yep. That's and fair. ring a bell behind you. I think I earned it. <laughs> Thanks. And I think you guys earned a reprieve from hearing us drunkenly talk about songs we really like. Yeah. So we're gonna leave you for this evening. But I'm sure this isn't the end of our cover songs. There's so many millions of cover songs out there. We'll talk about more of them we'll cover more cover songs eventually eventually we'll make another list yeah because i have another list worth of cover songs i have like all types of different genres of cover songs it's fine we'll we'll get there don't Mm -hmm. you worry kids don't you worry but you know for now why don't you just go ahead follow us on all the social medias you can follow us on twitter at rock candy pod and then follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast. And our website is www.rockcandypodcast.com. And, you know, hit us up. Go find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your pods. Subscribe, review, rate, you know, throw us throw us a bone. That'd be cool. Or mm-hmm. don't. Whatever. Do you, you do you, boo. Do what you want to do. And come on in next week for another rando hodgepodge episode. <laughs> Of randomness. And come see us in Nashville. Yeah, I think uh, if my timing serves me right, it'll be this weekend. Should so be. If you're in Nashville this weekend, come say hi. Hit us up. We're on, we'll are on. we be on social media all weekend. Probably just taking weirdo pictures and We'll shit. awkwardly say hi back. Yeah, like real awkward. It'll be great. You'll love it. We'll it'll be just, a good time. We'll walk around the con and just be like, why are these people saying hello to us? Oh, I don't God. understand. Oh, God. Oh, oh wait, yes, because we told them to say hi. Friends. <laughs> I like people. I'm terrified. It's people? <laughs> I love people. No. Come say hi. We love you, kids. Yeah. Thank you so much. And with that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.